It's another Sunday night in quarantine, but not for comedy. Live shows are happening. People are taking to the stage, and they're getting pretty political. And tonight we have a Canadian comic who is notorious for that, and also a New York comic who came seemingly out of nowhere and absolutely blew up. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Even if you're sitting in the back row, it's probably fine. At least there is a back row now, finally, after like six or seven months of no back row, uh, just the internet in your basement and maybe the odd random parking lot show. But now there's a back row again. There's theaters again. There's comedy clubs again. There's not quite festivals, but we're getting there. It is a special night here on Inside Jokes. We are kicking off Season 5. Woo! Yeah, baby! Five years on the air of Inside Jokes. We are still, of course, recording remotely here in Toronto's Little Italy from Casa di Tedesco. I'm Woo! here with our producer, Vince Tedesco. Five years, buddy. Five years! Isn't it? Uh, Five years. What a what an interesting, you know, we were talking about this last week, what an interesting season, season four was. Because we kicked it off a year ago now with Jim Gaffigan, the first time he joined us, where season four is going to be great. We were just wrapping up JFL mode. Everything was, it's going to be the best year in comedy. The best is yet to come. And then, uh, you know, a couple of things happened and uh, here we are now. There's a, there's a little bit of a, little bit of a pandemic, a little bit of a global pandemic, a couple of riots all over the planet. Um, Really bad election. Other than that, that's now we're in season five. It's, it's still September. We've got a couple months left. Let's see what else we can screw up. But, I mean, from the comedy standpoint, things to be looking, you know, to look it up. And what happens in the U.S. coming up will decide whether we use comedy as a political tool or pure escapism. Is it going to be more Trump or is it going to be Sleepy Joe? We'll see. <laughs> but either way, five more years of inside jokes. We're going to kick it off. We have a comedian from New York who, again, seemingly came up out of nowhere created his own online following and absolutely blew up and including some headline shows here in Canada when we were, you know, still letting Americans do that pre COVID <laughs> it is season five. And first up, we have a special guest. We've never had him on the show. And he, so Anthony Rodia is with us from New York. You are sort of quote unquote, Anthony, the king of off the boat comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been, for, I've been, uh, you know, called that I've been named that. I mean, it's not a bad title to have, I guess it's, it's weird <laughs> when people, meet me in public and they're like, Hey, you're the king of off the boat comedy. I'm like, yeah, can you just call me Anthony? That's so weird. So long. <laughs> For you. I mean, so one thing I was curious about, so yeah, you did, you started out doing these characters, doing this sketch stuff. You started out completely online and we've talked to a lot of comics about this during quarantine. Cause it's sort of the complete opposite of what most people did going into stand up. A lot of people during quarantine were sort of forced into that corner you came from that. I mean, I hate to say that there's too much of a silver lining on any of this stuff, but do you sort of, right now for you, you kind of have this built-in captive audience even more so. Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up, I, I was doing comedy, like I did stand-up about 25 years ago. I did it, you know, uh, when I was like 16, 17, I did a couple open mics, nothing on this type of scale. But um, I got, I wanted to get back into it about two years ago. 
And I, you know, I always, I'm, I'm looking at all these people in the entertainment business, some talented, some not talented, but they had a following. So I always said with a following, with a, with, you know, with fans, you could do basically anything as long as you capture, you know, an audience. So I, I use social media, you know, for what I looked at it as a platform. And I started, um, I remember I was with my cousin and he goes, what kind of comedy are you going to do? Are you going to do mainstream? I said, no, nah, dude, I mean, I, I was brought up in a first generation Italian household. I've got endless material with my relatives and my parents. So I'm just going to do that. I said, there, there aren't, you know, you have those type of comedians out there, but there aren't many of them. It's not flooded with them. And, um, you know, it also brings back all the memories of growing up. So I started with the characters and then it just took off. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I had, you know, I think over 120 shows booked for the rest of 2020. And then when that went on hold, I had two options. I could have sat home and just waited for it to pass, or I could have used comedy for what it's supposed to be used for in a sense as like an escape. You know, you get all these people home, can't watch the news because it's miserable. You know, you, you're not really laughing much at 2020. I mean, I, I wish somebody would just <laughs> put it here and, and reset it. But uh, I, I just started going crazy with videos where instead of doing two a week, I think I did one every night for 86 nights straight. And uh, at, at, at like the 40th video, uh, my manager, Dom, called me. He goes, dude, do you see your following? And at one point on Facebook alone, we were getting over 60,000 new fans um, subscribing to, to the uh, page a week. And it just it started catapulting from there. Which is amazing because a lot of it, like we have, you know, we've talked to comics during all this COVID shutdown and obviously live, you know, festivals are canceled, live shows weren't happening and that mm. stuff's sort of slowly coming back. But we talked to so many comics across Canada, all over the U.S. Everybody was just jumping on a TikTok and jumping on YouTube. And these, some of these comics are people who have been, they've built a huge following. They've been on stage for 25, 30 years. They would have never have thought of doing this. They're just jumping to those platforms out of desperation because they just need to put in the time and they need to try and somehow retain that audience. But for you, I mean, you sort of, you tapped into this thing where maybe this is where comedy is headed now. And I think you said it exactly right. I think people are on, you're on Facebook 24 hours a day. You're watching the news 24 hours a day and it's nothing but Trump, Trump, COVID, Trump, COVID, riots. People need an escape from that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, politics, I, I don't feel, I mean, you, you have some people that will use controversy and sensitive topics to gain exposure on their page because they know what they're going to do is they're going to have people arguing, which equals exposure, which equals attention. With me, I, I don't feel like, you know, uh, politics, there's no room for politics and comedy. You know, there's no, I'm not going to use something that's going to be controversial or, you know, create argument, arguing on my page, just simply to have people go to my page. So, yeah, with all that, you had the pandemic, you've got the, the, you know, the election, you've got all this negativity. So, you know, when, when I was not forced, but when I said to myself, I'm just going to, you know, start putting more videos out to kind of give people a distraction, it was my wheelhouse. I mean, that's what I used originally to build an audience. So now my, my fans at one point were like messaging me at like five o'clock and are you doing another one tonight? We can't wait. And they were like literally sitting in front of their TVs or computers. Um, and I was, I started getting videos and of people watching them. They would stream it to their TV and watch like a cluster of my videos. And it was just, it was weird, but I've seen the growth. I mean, we just came back from, uh, we did a weekend in Montauk, New York. And it's crazy when you go out, you know, outside of your neighborhood and people are noticing you and coming up to you. And they're all saying, that, oh, I thank you for getting me through this pandemic. I'm like, no, you like they're looking at me as like the messiah of comedy. I'm like, 
what I was doing was losing my mind with my family and then recording what comes to mind. I said, what you're seeing online, there's a lot of medical mental issues going on in my head right now, and I'm just glad I could put it on the video. And you know, a lot of them, they're, oh, where's Zia Lucia? I'm like, no, I promised my daughter I wouldn't wear that dress in public. So Zia Lucia's home in a box. I did want to add. It's all we, it's all we could have done, man. You, you got to. A lot of people, and the problem with comedy now, you, everyone's under a magnifying glass, and people don't understand what people, what comedians, you know, do. I mean, our job is so hard, but you're not supposed to dissect comedy. If you watch comedy, watch it with an open mind. Don't dissect it. Don't try to find, you know, negativity in it. Everyone's like on this negativity. Uh, you know, kind of thing where they just want to find something negative in everything. Yeah. Comedy's not for that. So use comedy for what it is. It's an escape. It gives you a chance to kind of be distracted, laugh. And when you're laughing, no, I've never seen anybody in a bad mood laugh. You know, so just use comedy for what it is, man. We, we need it more than ever now. It's true. And I mean, you know, you have to look at it the same way as anything else. Not every comic is for everybody. They're, they're, they're finding their own audience. Not every, pe- not every piece of music is for everybody. But there's almost this weird political thing attached to it with comedy now where it's like, nah, I don't like it. Shut it down. You know, yeah. in radio, we'd it's get crazy. people phoning the radio station going, don't play that one song ever again. I don't like it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Marge in Ohio. Well, stop playing that right. song forever because you don't like it, you know? And, and that's the thing that, like, I had a guy this morning, and I go through all my comments, which maybe I shouldn't at one point, because I'll have, like, 6,000 positive comments, and then one guy is like, I don't find this funny. And it bends me, it bends me out of shape. I mean, I get so bent out of shape over one comment. <laughs> because, and, and here's my frustration with it. The guy messaged, the guy comments on, on one of my videos, and yeah. he's like, um, he goes, this is the most cringy video I've ever seen. It's not funny at all. And I go, dude. You pick the video that has 4.5 million views. It's been shared 100,000 times. There's 20,000 positive comments. Just because you don't like it, should I remove it so you don't have to watch it? Like, here's a thought. How about you don't watch it and just chalk it up to the fact that other people might find funny what you don't find funny and let them enjoy it. You know, like Marge from Ohio. She wants you to cancel something or stop playing a song that she doesn't like. How about you just close your ears or turn the channel? And, and that's, that's right. the biggest issue today. You know, some, one person sees or hears something that they don't like, they think that no one should hear it. Well, since I didn't like it, no, no, no one else could possibly like it. It can't be me and my opinion that's totally twisted and deranged. No, no, I should say <laughs> for everyone. And the, I mean, yeah, the, the internet made everybody's opinion way more important than it actually is. I, yeah. I we're going to come back with more Anthony Rodia. And by the way, I don't think porn performers are sitting there reading the comments on Pornhub going, Oh, you're right. I should, I shouldn't have nutted at the five minute mark, but anyways, <laughs> we're, we're going to find out if, if we could say nutted in season five. We're going to get back with more oh. Anthony Rodia right here on inside jokes, global news radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm at the sock, and I don't know why I just did this. Supermodels in the cab. Proof. I guess I got my swagger back. Truth. New watch alert. 
Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto Season 5, baby! And we're kicking it off right. We've got Anthony Rodia from New York on the line with us. One thing I was curious about, Anthony, so before the break we were getting into how you built this whole online following and sort of you really did tap in your own audience and the response was huge because, I mean, you're doing this all this stuff about your upbringing, being Italian-American, that's the audience you tapped into. I think for you especially your followers probably need this a lot because, you know, New York was particularly hit by this whole COVID thing. The election's happening. A lot of the riots and stuff were centered there. A lot of your audience is impacted by this stuff, and it is good for them to have that escapism. What I was curious about, though, is you did, so you're doing this virtual show. You did a sold-out virtual show. How does that, how does that work even? Um, so basically, uh, we were scheduled to be all across the world. I mean, we had shows all across Canada, the United States, Australia. Um, and you know, a lot of my fans, they've never seen me live. And and when you see me live, it's not what you see online. It's totally different. Uh, you don't see the characters. You just, you hear a lot of relatable stories on how I was brought up my wife and kids and, and everything. So they were excited and then they were let down. So, uh, me and my team got together and, um, with Wall Street Theater in Connecticut, we ended up shooting a live virtual show in front of a live audience. Um, they ended up the night before the show, they gave us 100 people allowed in. And then they said, well, you know, we changed our minds. It's got to be only 25. And I'm like, you guys suck. Like all you guys, <laughs> like the, the rules, like I don't mind rules, but I think a lot of the frustration and, you know, I mean, everyone's dealing with this all over is the rules are being changed on the fly for no reason. One person complaint. It goes back to what we were just saying about, you know, one person complaining. We found out that the way they're handling things is one person complains and then they totally shut down whatever they're complaining about. Investigate takes weeks. And I'm like, from one person? I'm like, how is that possible? So they knocked us down to 25 people. Um, but I, I got to say, man, the support was so overwhelming. We ended up, I think, doing um, now on average, because we, we tried to calculate how many people purchased the live stream and then how many people they had at their house watching it. Um, but I think we were, in, they said between 26 and 35,000 people collectively were watching the the stream, and then we left it on all week for people that have no knowledge on how to work anything that has to do with the internet. I mean, people were like, "What do I do?" I'm, I'm like, people were literally sitting in front of the computer thinking it was just going to pop up. One lady had it on HBO. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know who told you it was on HBO. Why would you even go there to, to watch the stream? One guy was like, "Is this the same pay per view channel I watch my wrestling on?" I'm like, "Where? Where are you guys from? Who told you?" <laughs> So we, we left it on for a week, and uh, the reviews have been, been great. I mean, you know, I did keep a lot of my off-the-boat Italian stuff. Um, you know, I didn't include a lot of it. I mean, I, I probably have six, seven hours of written material that I haven't even used yet, but a lot of it I didn't want to use because it was kind of like, all right, here's a taste of what I do online, I mean, on stage. And if you enjoy that, then when you do come to my live shows, you're going to hear a lot more. Uh, relatable, but it went well, man. It was the only way we have right now of, of letting people enjoy live comedy in a sense. And, um, you know, some people say this is the new normal. I'm not going to accept that. I, I don't think it's the new normal. I think, uh, you know, it is going to get back to normal. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be some time before we do, because you gotta, you know, you gotta understand it's going to not only take places to open up, but it's going to also take people to feel safe to go out. Yeah. They can open up everything right now. 
you still have people that are petrified. Um, a lot of them are confused. They don't even know why they're scared. Like I, I saw a guy the other day, one of my neighbors, just walking his dog, nobody around, 6 o'clock at night with a mask on. And I asked him, I said, listen, why, just curiosity, why are you wearing a mask when there's no one around you? And he goes, I don't know, man. I don't know if this stuff is, is airborne. I'm like, so you don't know. You're just going to just wear, all right, let's just cover ourselves in plastic and walk around for the hell of it. <laughs> so a lot of it's out of fear, but I, I don't want to accept that this is going to be the new normal. You need, you know, person-to-person interaction. You need to, yeah. to like my daughter went to school today for the first time back. You know, they, they have plexiglass around the desks. But they're not allowing the kid. They don't. They're not forcing the kids to wear masks while they're in their desks. You know, when they go outside and stuff. But she was so psyched, man, to just be around other people. You, you, you yeah, can't no live That's that's not the way to live, man. You, you need people to people contact. Don't get me wrong. I'm 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 hoping a large majority of people I know do stay in their houses for the rest of their lives because I don't. Like them. <laughs> I mean, for the people that I do enjoy, I mean, I want to see them again. I want to you know shake someone's hand, give somebody a kiss on the cheek. I mean. You know, it, it can't be the new normal. No, and I mean, I don't think it will either. It'll definitely take some time for that ripple effect to pass. And I mean, as far as comedy goes, probably, uh, you know, in cities like New York and Toronto, probably the open mics could have used a bit of a healthy purge anyways. So that's not that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thin, thin the herd a little bit on that front. But I think also, right. you know, even when the dust does settle and live shows do go back to what they were before, eventually it's going to take some time. This, like what you're doing now with streaming these shows and figuring out how to monetize that and make that a platform, I don't think that's going to go away either. I think that's just going to be another tool in the arsenal that comics have, and it's just going to be a blend of both when we get back to this. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, listen, it was nice to have a ton of people from you know Australia and Belgium and Canada and all over the United States watching me live, and you know, it it it's it kind of showed them what to expect with me on stage, you know, giving them a whole different aspect of what I do. And, you know, they're even more excited now to kind of see me live in person. So I, I think it does help. Um, a lot of people are, aren't, you know, aren't used to it or, or aren't confident enough. I asked a couple of comedians, they're like, like, cause before we did this one, we did one in front of no audience at all. So you didn't get that feedback. And some of them were like, no, I'm not going on stage in front of no audience. I'm like, well, I'm used to it. I, I film myself every day doing videos. I don't know the reaction until I post it. So to yeah. me, it, was, it wasn't that different. It was, you know, doing something with just the idea of, okay, this should be funny, and then waiting for the response. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be utilized. I mean, I think, you know, comedy specials are going to take a surge. You're going to have a ton of more, a ton of new comedy specials out because of, you know, all the responses and the need for laughter where people, you know, some people might, enjoy just staying in their house watching it with family versus going out and yeah you know, i tell everybody if you're if you're that scared to go out stay home you know i'm not being insensitive i'm just being realistic if like my wife she cannot stand haunted houses haunted houses scare the living hell out of her guess where my wife doesn't go oh <laughs> amazing she stays away from something she's scared about if you're leaving your house and you're so petrified that it's causing you to wear a mask in your car by yourself. Why do that to yourself? Just stay home. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they, they deliver groceries. They, they, you don't, you literally do not have to leave your house. And I see fear on everyone's faces when they go out. Like I, I went to a store the other day and I walk in and I'm putting my mask on as I'm walking in. Some guy came out and he jumped like a little firework underneath him. And I was like, what, what's yeah. the matter? He's like, dude, your mask. I was like, I'm putting it on jackass. I'm like, if you're that scared, why are you out of your house? You needed milk and, 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 a, and a Snickers bar that bad? 
<laughs> you know what? It's I am like, surprised. It's like crazy, man. I, I am surprised as as an outside observer that it is has actually been so hard to convince middle Americans to just stay on their couch and order fast food. I never thought that right. that would be so hard to do. They did, they did that before the quarantine. Now they're being yeah. allowed to do it. They're like, no, you know what? I want to start exercising. No, you, you, I have a friend of mine who <laughs> bought a mountain bike, and he's like, yeah, man, I hate wearing a mask when I'm riding my bike. I'm like, dude, seriously, I've known you since you were six, and that's the last time I've ever seen you on a bicycle. Like, now that you're allowed to stay home and do what you normally do, which is sit on a couch and just eat pizza at an exuberant amount, now you want to ride a, a mountain bike. <laughs> like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> They're telling you, hey, guess what? All you lazy bastards can just sit home and do nothing. And now all of a sudden you're like, I want to get healthy. No, you don't. You're just trying to go against the grain. Stay home. <laughs> I do have I Anthony. It. Before we let you go, I have, you know, because we're doing this show from Little Italy here in Toronto. Which is like Alec Baldwin said, Toronto is just like New York, except with without all the things. Uh, and you guys are nicer. And we're, it's polite. This is one big Minnesota up here. That's what we have going on, basically, Anthony. But I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's really what it is. But I, I do have one Monja Cake question for you, because even on my way here to do the show, I noticed this. How come every Italian lady going to church all has the same exact black dress? Where, where did this come from? What is that? They've been widowed for 40 years. They don't want to give it up. They don't want to live again. <laughs> I mean, I've got aunts like that. I've got an 82-year-old aunt that's been widowed since she was 49. And I'm like, you do know there are something called colors, right? You're not going to get damned to hell. You're, you're, my uncle that's passed 40 years ago, he's not going to strike you with a bolt of lightning if you put a floral pattern dress on. You do not have to look like a Catholic school nun for the rest of your life. And if you take your hands off the rosary beads, you're not going to die. Stop rubbing the cross everywhere. She's got calluses on her thumbs from just rubbing rosary beads and, and crucifixes. I'm oh, like, man. you can live again. You don't have to continue to do that. More importantly, forget about the outfit. I want to know why 98% of Italian women over the age of 70 no longer have the ability to grow their hair past their shoulders. That's what I want. <laughs> I've never seen an 80-year-old Italian lady with a ponytail. I don't know what happens. I don't know if it's propecia, alopecia. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're in need of biotin, but I've, I've, none of my aunts have ponytails. They all have the same hairdo. And ironically, looks like the wig I wear when I do my character. <laughs> there you go. Anthony Rodia, thank you so much, man. We're so glad you joined us for Season 5. Before we let you go, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, it's Rodia Comedy on Instagram, Anthony Rodia Comedy on uh, Facebook, Rodia Comedy on YouTube. And uh, I will be back in Toronto soon. We've got a show in Montreal uh, at the end of November that I, I keep hearing that they want to keep that on. They're going to open up the borders. But uh, I can't wait to come back, man. I, I enjoyed performing in Toronto last time. The only problem is your cuisine almost got me divorced. Um, I <laughs> called my wife and she goes, how was your first night in Toronto? I'm like, great. I had poutine. And she hung up on me. And then I realized what poutine means in the States. It's not potatoes. And cheese, that's for sure. <laughs> like, the patine was great. She was like, you're a jerk, and hung up. I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like the Spanish word for vagina. Oh, I just realized that. <laughs> I just want to say, I want to give a shout-out Anthony Rodia and your comedy crew of Goomba Johnny and our girl who's been on this show and a friend of ours uh, as well, uh, Tara Kenneth Tracy. Uh, so yeah, shout-out to them. People. The Bronx and, Bomber. Um, uh, love having you, buddy. Thanks so much for doing this. We'll talk yeah, to you soon, man. Stay safe. Keep doing what you're doing, but we look forward to having you back up here on stage in Toronto, man. 
Thank you again, Anthony Rodia, and we'll be right back with Ron James and more Season 5 of Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Fiona O'Brien and I'm in quarantine in my bed listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and of course coast to coast, Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network. It is season five and we are kicking it off with a bang. Thank you again to Anthony Rodia down in New York. But we're flipping it over to Canada's East Coast now. We have the one and only Canadian comedy icon, Ron James, joining us again. Ron, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Nova Scotia. I got a little spot by the sea here, and I, uh, I didn't get here until August. But uh, it's a great place to ride out the plague. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I mean, we, the last time we had you in studio with us, it's probably a couple of years ago now and a couple of seasons ago. A thing or two has happened in the, in the world since then. And we were really curious to, to pick your brain on, you know, last time we spoke to you, obviously a lot of our listeners and a lot of folks across Canada really do know Ron James as one of these very few Canadian comics that you see on TV that stayed here at home and made, made a household name. And you did that by crisscrossing the country and playing town to town and filling up theaters and just building that FaceTime with Canadians and building that audience. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot. wonderful. It's been a wonderful victory in baby steps, my friend. Uh, one gig at a time, one kilometer at a time. I I started around the tip of Lake Superior. I, I I used to work at this great little club in Toronto called the Laugh Resort, and it really had. Oh, a, yeah. a, I started in Second City back in the early '80s and put my three years in in L.A. Uh, <clears throat> chasing the sitcom dream. Went down to do a series that was canceled. Wrote a one-man show about it called Up and Down a Shaky Town, and ended up. Uh, getting some good reviews and pulling the best jokes out of that in order to build uh, uh, a 10-minute stand-up set uh, at the resort and started all over again with Amateur Night. It was a professional actor for 17 years. Anyway, at, uh, well, m- mostly a hungry professional actor for 17 years. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, anyway, it was a great place to learn my craft. And then I started booking myself after five years there and uh, booked myself a tour around the tip of Lake Superior in the dead of winter. It was like minus 90, two and a half hours of daylight. And uh, I was playing <laughs> yeah. uh, these lonesome sentinels strung across the frozen granite lip of Gichigumi. And uh, it was an epiphany, uh, my friend. I am, uh, I'm not lying. I got drop kicked in the solar plexus by this uh, prolific and iconic geography that would have given the entire group of seven a collective woody. And I thought, uh, this, is, this is where I belong. This is where I want to be. And even though I was playing uh, uh, community centers and, and, and school gymnasiums who had sound systems only a mime could love, I knew that stringing my trap line from coast to coast uh, would uh, provide me, I had a feeling it would provide me with something deeper than just um, chasing um, chasing the sitcom grail again in Los Angeles. Because in those days, everybody really wanted to get noticed at the Just for Laughs Festival, and I played it a couple of times, and it's a, a great, huge festival. It's, uh, yeah, and, I, uh, but, you know, you figured that you'd have a killer set. Someone with deep pockets from Hollywood would see you catch lightning in a bottle, and you'd wake up, uh, you know, slaking your creative thirst on the milk-laden memories of Lady Liberty. 
But I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I stayed here instead, and uh, I was really glad I did. And a couple of years after booking my own uh, gigs, I uh, met a producer by chance called Terry McRae, who reached out to me. I was writing for this hour. And yeah. I've been represented by Terry uh, McRae and Chantero Productions uh, for the last 20 years. And uh, I left a couple times uh, during uh, my uh, when my brain got addled when I was uh, on that television series of mine. And I thought, oh, I've got to go up to the next level. Well, the only level in Canada is are you working or are you not? Yeah. And, uh, you know, these big shot agency, this uh, place called the Agency in Toronto and then Feldman. Uh, just blew smoke at me, and uh, Feldman put a tour together that was just uh, a, an abomination. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever worked. Uh, uh, it's the first time I ever filled the Pantages Theater in Winnipeg and walked away with uh, nothing. And so I went back to Terry McRae, and uh, we've been uh, stringing our trap line ever since. But for the most part, uh, Terry and his sons uh, run this uh, uh, exemplary boutique operation, and um, we've been just doing it, as I say, one kilometer at a time for the last 20 years. And it's well, and been I a victory in baby steps, man. It, it is. And I think, yeah, you sort of went the Wayne Rodstadt route with it. But I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, everything in the in the States, everybody's just going after that fame and that five-minute thing. And it comes and it goes. In Canada, a lot of people always talk about how we don't have a star system. But I think someone like you, who becomes so synonymous with Canadian comedy... It goes beyond that. You actually just become a part of the popular lexicon. You become a part of our national culture. I mean, there's there's well, not a, a lot thing. of comics that have done that here. Well, it's a very kind thing to say. I, I, um, I, I, you know, I took a page from Joseph Campbell years ago. I mean, I was out of work for a year in Los Angeles and came back with 48K U.S. debt. I had uh, a daughter, and then soon I had another one on the way. And I just got so tired of waiting for somebody else to validate my life and to provide for me. And um, I, I'd always been funny, but, uh, you know, the two disciplines, I mean, you talk about improv and stand-up, and people think they're the same. They're, they're absolutely diametrically opposed, you know. Um, improv, you know, they, it's the same result, of course, but it's different sides of the same coin. I mean, an improv trooper, I liken it to, um, you know, half a dozen intelligent Bolsheviks trying to decide the color of a tractor on a communist farm where uh, <laughs> stand-up is an enlightened dictatorship. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I prefer that, actually. And uh, so I, uh, I felt at home when I finally found my place there. And when you finally find your groove, the beautiful thing about stand-up is you eventually become more comfortable in your own skin. Well, and Ron, one beautiful thing, I mean, I, ha I hate to say that there is any upside of a global <laughs> pandemic, because there really isn't. And of course, you know, the entire comedy world, in a, in a sense, being put on pause, at least the actual live aspect of it. Yeah, one, one sort of silver lining that we are seeing that I think we did need a dose of in this country is this sort of patriotism come back to our own, appreciating our own talent and our own comics. A lot of comics, because we're here sort of in this bubble, staying safe and isolated in Canada, we've been turning to our own artists again and turning to our own content in a way we haven't done in years because every comic coming up the last few generations, it's always been about get those credits, get those festivals and go to the States and that's it. I think we have more of an appreciation for what we have here at home right now. 
Well, that's a wonderful observation. And we've always lived within the shadow, uh, neon shadow of Lady Liberty. Uh, it, it, it's no surprise that we were um, lured by America. I was. I get it. Uh, I think it's the only time I'm ever envious of the country when you see a great, you know, great shows on HBO like Veep or, or, or Barry and, or numerous other dramatic series. I mean, it's amazing. But there's 375 million people there, brother. And, yeah. uh, I mean, you can have one side of that country hating your act and the other side loving it, and you've still got seven times the population of Canada um, endorsing your work. Uh, and But I, I just... Um, I just found an affinity for people in place and in my travels. And I knew yeah. that Canada defined itself regionally. So I felt if I could travel regionally, customize my content, and then move into um, universal content, uh, they'd come with you. And I used to get criticism from club comics, you know, that, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, he's telling stories. He's. Uh, you know, he's a CBC act. Uh, he's um, uh, he's not pushing the envelope, uh, which is um, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, that's where you that's where the rubber really hits the road when you hit the road. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to tip the apple cart on Harper's policies in front of seventeen hundred people at the Epcor Center in Calgary, um, you're going to hear quiet. And yeah, that's what the great uh, comic Norm Macdonald said. You're not working hard enough if you're not hearing quiet. And but you also need a great place to land. And because these people paid 50 bucks to see you and they're they weren't there for a sermon. They're there to laugh. And so which was why I ended up doing two hour shows uh, so I could, you know, um, um, present a very eclectic buffet of content. So that's that's what mattered to me was giving the people what they paid for, to quote Keith Richards. And uh, I think that. it's only going to get better as Canadians begin to rediscover, I think, uh, their own people. I mean, one of the great losses uh, with uh, Canadian comedy was the loss of comics uh, and the loss of uh, comedy now, because all the comedians could be seen then, you know. And I really wish that when CBC had have canceled me on New Year's Eve, they had have given that great uh, nine o'clock slot to um, uh, one of the more prolific younger comics who's coming up. Yeah, and uh, it, the country deserves it. And the country deserves as well to have a comedian who's going to rock the apple cart, not ride in it. And uh, okay. Speaking of, Ron, we'll come back and I want to get into, you actually did post uh, something on Facebook this week that went viral addressing a lot of what's, what's sort of your own state of the union of what's going on in the world. We'll come back with the one and only Ron James. More season five of Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yo, this is White Wine. Young Riesling. You're tuned in to AM640 Inside Jokes, Jokes. baby. Now, back to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Season 5, we're coming in like a lion. We have the one and only Ron James with us on the line out in Nova Scotia. And so, Ron, before the break, we were talking about how, you know, you you stayed home. You did the L.A. thing. You came back. 
you started traveling across the country and you just found this love of the land and you found your audience. And it's, it's funny, I think for a lot of our listeners who haven't seen you live or who might think of you just from, you know, you're the CBC guy and you're the Canadian television guy. A lot of people don't know you do have that political side to your comedy as well. And you very are very much outspoken on stage. You posted this thing this week that is actually blowing up and going viral right now. You're sitting at almost 1.5 million hits on it right now, where you just sort of, it's sort of your, your state of the union on what's going on with our neighbors to the South. <laughs> it's so ironic, isn't it? That here we are all trapped and that you're reaching a wider audience than my CBC new year specials ever did. I mean, the last four, uh, the last three out of the four did 1.3 million. Uh, but it was only in Canada. It was blocked in the States. And now here I do this post from my, you know, my little seaside shack down here in Nova Scotia, and people are getting it in Australia, man. <laughs> it's weird. But I will tell you what's even doubly weirder is uh, the vitriol that comes from people. Oh, man. I mean, you can deal with a heckler second show, Yuck Yucks in Sudbury. You just pull that knife from your boot and slice and dice them, right? And the show's over, and you have a couple of pints, and you forget about it. Yeah, but, uh, that's one of the that's one of the things about Facebook is uh, it really toughens your skin because uh, everybody can weigh in. Uh, um, I just love the uh, the grammatical errors. That's what I'm a big fan of. <laughs> yeah, well, there's exactly there's that separation. People are always braver when they're not confronting you in person, right? Uh, however, this uh, this election that's coming up. Um, is an election that affects the entire world, not just, it's just not a parochial issue. Uh, And what I find um, uh, unsettling are the numbers of Canadians uh, who are, uh, you know, who benefit from um, uh, what the Americans refer to as socialism with, you know, public health care and a healthy infrastructure for the most part. And, uh, you know, I think as a comedian, you have to speak truth to power. And when yeah. Harper was in power, I hit him. And when Justin was in power, I hit him. So people generalize. And uh, it's not the comedian's job to be a card-carrying member of the country club. We're not supposed to belong. We're supposed to be on the uh, on the porch with the dog-faced boy and the bearded lady staring in the window. Uh, we're circus <laughs> people. That's our tribe. That's and absolutely that's right. And, and, and that's why we're put here. And that's why the uh, tribal affinity of comedians um, and the... Um, uh, and the understanding uh, of bombing and the crucible of amateur night, uh, every single one of these people who vilifies you on Facebook would would be gone in two minutes in front of that microphone that stares at you like the judgmental eye of God. It's necessary and it's crucial to um, sustain the faith over time. And because life is all about the long haul. And I just feel like I'm finally understanding what it is that I do after all these years. And that's the thing. It's always about, I mean, no true comic. If you're not still growing and not still learning something new, then it's time to hang it up. But Ron, we look forward to, I know you're, you're safe and comfortable back on the East coast right now, but we look forward to seeing you back out there doing what you're doing, crisscrossing the country and also joining us again in studio this fall. Thank you so much for joining us and helping us start season five the right way and your inputs. We can't wait to see you live again, my friend. Well, thank you very much. There's rumors I may be playing the Elma Combo in October, but it's not confirmed yet. So uh, I'll reach out to you when I hear that. But thanks very much for the faith in my funny and for uh, inviting me on. Your questions are great. Very refreshing. Anytime, Ron. We love it. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. 
That's our show. That is season five. Again, thank you so much to Anthony Rodia out in New York and, of course, Canadian comedy icon, the one and only Ron James. Safe and cozy on the East Coast eating lobsters and crab cakes, but hopefully he gets back to doing what he does real soon, crossing every kilometer of this country and getting out to the people. And it's, I, I love always talking to Ron because I love hearing about just pure Canadiana and people staying here at home and talking to those audiences. Uh, I love the hope that both comics gave us that they're going to be doing live shows again. Yeah. When, hopefully October, hopefully November. So hopefully we're back in studio too. Right here in Toronto. We look forward to seeing them both live and just live comedy cracking open again. That's the start of season five. Don't forget, you can listen to all our episodes right back to the very beginning on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Who knows what this year will bring? Season five, baby. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week featuring Anthony Rodea. I'm going to give you advice because I love you like my son. <laughs> when you get old, you're going to meet a nicer woman. And you're going to settle down and get a Marty. <laughs> when you get Marty, if you don't argue with this woman at least three, five times a week, it's not making sense. Tell me there's no couples out there that just get along all the time. Oh yeah, they exist. Sure. I tell you right now. You find a married couple, they get along all the time and they're always happy around each other. I guarantee one of them will f- somebody on the side. Anthony, think about it. How are you going to be happy every day you wake up and boom, she's right there. You're going to sleep and boom, she's right there. I take a shit, boom, she's right there. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.